This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello, I'm Sarah Conti, Senior Manager, Advice Technical and Regulatory. I'm part of the BT Technical Services team, a group of qualified individuals who are able to answer any technical advice strategy queries you may have for your clients. Earlier this year, legislation giving effect to the Retirement Income Covenant passed the Parliament. The Covenant will require trustees to have a retirement income strategy that outlines how they plan to assist their members in retirement. Joining our podcast today to discuss what the Covenant means for financial advisors is Jeremy Cooper, Chairman, Retirement Income at Challenger. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here, Sarah. Jeremy, can you give our listeners an overview of what the Retirement Income Covenant is? Sure. So from July this year, which is pretty close, uh, the trustees of large APRA uh, super funds, so this does not include self-managed funds, but all of the the APRA regulated funds are going to have to have a, a strategy to help their retired members achieve and balance three objectives in the retirement phase. The first one is to maximise their retirement income. And this is an interesting blend of investing the money well, but also enabling the retirees to actually draw down on that capital. So it's a really important point, that maximising word has really got two elements to it. And they've got to do this for the whole of the retirement period. And the retirement period is really up to the trustees to decide how long that ought to be. But I think it's, it's very much longer than most uh, funds and, and indeed advisors have been, have been accustomed to, to give advice around. So this would be, you know, we're talking that the standard period would be a quarter of a century long. So this is the typical 67. If we take 67 as being the retirement age, the, the sort of, the base case, if you like, for the whole of retirement would be another 25 years beyond that to catch a sufficient number of lives, if you like, the lifespans of enough members in the fund to actually be a valid strategy. So that's a, that's a pretty big difference. The next one is to um, manage the risks to the sustainability and stability of that income. And this breaks down into, into three things, managing market risk, and of course, there's a subset being sequencing risk during retirement because you're drawing on the capital. Uh, longevity risk, that's the risk of not knowing how long you're going to live and also outliving your savings if you, you, you end up living a long time. And the third one is inflation, which is pretty topical at the moment. But we've, we've had many, almost decades of not talking about inflation and now suddenly, um, you know, it's, it's back on the front page. So they're the three risks that have got to be married. And on top of married together. And, and on top of all of that, you can't lock all the capital up in your strategy. So you've got to have um, enable the, the member to, to access capital should they need to put a new roof on the house or, you know, to go on a holiday or whatever you like. So they're the, the three uh, objectives that have to be managed. It's very principles-based. So it's not, uh, it doesn't require the trustees to, to nominate a particular product to uh, to achieve these objectives, so it's um, it's it's very much up to the funds to uh, to work this out, and uh, it very much leaves open the question of 
what level of advice the fund gives to the members or, you know, how it guides them. And indeed, just, just how does it, how does the fund communicate um, the existence of this, this strategy to its members? That's again, all um, up, to, up to the trustees. They're not, not dictated to by the, by the legislation. Okay. So, so practically, Jeremy, how is the covenant going to work? Well, I think uh, certainly on day, day one, and indeed this may be the case um, all the way through the life of this covenant, there's going to be quite a range of, of what I might call intensity, if you like, of these strategies. Some funds have already uh, built uh, new uh, innovative uh, products that, uh, that pull longevity risk but while also giving, uh, giving um, pr- pretty attractive sort of um, returns and also the ability to, to spend that capital. So they've actually built a product that's, that's, that's new and um, others, others haven't done that. And so I think there's going to be quite a, quite a range um, t- to begin with. And then, of course, competition, we, we don't know, but we're suspecting that, that funds that have, that have got a very attractive uh, retirement offering with all of the right sort of guidance and ad- advice sitting in there will be, will be more attractive than, than funds that haven't really made much of an effort. So we, we, don't, we don't really know the answer to that. What I will say is it's going to be a step-by-step process. So the, 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 the retirement world that we see uh, in, in July of this year is going to be quite different by 2025. It'll be a much improved version. If we go out another five years to 2030, we're going to see a very much more sophisticated uh, retirement phase than the one we have at the moment. So it will take time. And initially also... Uh, the, the the quality of data that the that a lot of these funds have on their members is, is certainly um, lacking in many respects. You know, compared to this to the the amount that the average advisor knows about uh, an individual client, following the fact that fact based process and also you know a relationship that may have gone on for a number of years, they're, they're miles ahead of these very large funds who might have the members. Uh, you know, name, age, and, and street address, but they're they're going off um, effectively just generally available data to 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 sort of get any any further understanding around that member. Okay, so Jeremy, what about new products? I think you mentioned it just a second ago. Do you think that the covenant will, in fact, lead to new products and new ways of doing things? Look, I do. I want to stress it's not all about products, but uh, but certainly already. Uh, the uh, the product I was talking about before was was developed by QSuper, which is now the Australian Retirement Trust, and it's effectively a a non guaranteed pooling mechanism. They use the same asset mix as they have in their um, in their balanced fund, and what they do is they create a separate uh, pool of re- retired members, and they 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 set the um, the rate of income that they're that they're expecting to be able to. There's a there's a sort of a threshold mechanism that um, I could spend a long time explaining this product, but it is it is an it is definitely an innovation, and Challenger itself has also um, come into the space with uh, with a thing that we call the market linked annuity, which is a lifetime annuity that links. There are, there are five asset mixes that you can choose from. They're uh, they're market related, so they're effectively um, equity um, strategies and. Um, uh, you can so so. Let's just say you you, you invest in the balance. It's effectively indexed um, investments. You select the balance fund. The balance fund goes up by uh, 
6% in, in year one, and then you, in year two, your lifetime income increases in proportion to how the, uh, how the um, mix has performed in the preceding year. So that's, a, again, in, this, in the Australian market, that's a, that's a new product. So there's, there's two, and the, and the regime hasn't started. So I think there will be products, but there will also be strategies. It's not just about grabbing a product off the shelf. I think, I think one prediction I'm making is that um, you'll have funds that are, that are more expressly saying, look, would you like to spend a bit more early in your retirement rather than just everybody defaulting onto the minimum drawdown rate? Um, would, would you like to opt to spend, to draw down, say, 6 or 7% of your um, of your capital in the early years, and then we'll we'll manage that process down. Watching all the while that we're not over consuming your capital. So, I think that will um, that will those sorts of strategies will uh, will emerge. Jeremy, the the covenant requires trustees to have a retirement income strategy. So, how is the covenant relevant to financial advisors when it applies to trustees? Okay, well, it does only apply to. It was originally uh, intended to um, to apply to to self managed funds, but they uh, they changed that, so um, it, it doesn't apply to advisors. Okay, so that's that's fine. But what what it does apply to is to all large uh, APRA funds, and also to to um, to superannuation master trusts. So the sort of um, superannuation vehicles that um, financial advisors would be used to advising their clients about and interacting with, they're going to have to have a retirement income strategy. Now, the clients don't have to use that, but the fact that these strategies are populating themselves around the, um, around the industry, everyone will get to hear about them. Clients will be asking their advisors, oh, well, you know, my neighbour's got this new, you know, blah, blah, blah strategy, you know, what, what do you think of that? So I think if there, if there are the sort of innovations and the, the strategy enhancements and so on uh, over time, you know, this won't happen immediately, but because this is going to happen at scale, you know, all large funds are going to have to have one of these things. They will one way or another um, be, you know, bringing these strategies to the attention of their, of their members. And so because, Financial advisors are part of that overall ecosystem. I think they will be um, impacted by this, but but really only positively in the sense, in my book anyway, that um, you know they might be able to um, bring to their clients' attention or or provide them with you know some of these more interesting retirement products that you know previously um, previously weren't there. So while it doesn't directly apply to them, I think it will over time for advisors that are working in the retirement income space, which is you know, pretty well everybody, uh, it, will, it will make a difference. That's my, that's my bet. Okay. So Minister Hume commented that um, current legal obligations of superannuation trustees have focused primarily on that accumulation phase and that there are no obligations to consider the needs of beneficiaries in retirement and also that the retirement income covenant will address this gap. What's your view on that? Well, I think I think this is actually a historically correct statement. So, if we go back, uh, if we go back into the '90s, which is you know, admittedly a reasonably long time ago now, uh, it was only then in the in the early '90s. So, '93 legislation was passed 
that came into effect in 94 that got rid of what was then uh, effectively a compulsory retirement age across various workplaces. And indeed, in the public service, it took them another five years to get rid of the, you know, a fixed age by which you actually had to retire. And uh, so that was given the chop. And super uh, was originally designed to reflect that world. So you weren't actually, when you had your money in super and you, you, you reached a certain age, there was a sort of a compulsory cashing rule which basically kicked you out of the system because you were now, the, the, the system had done its job. You were retired. Here's your, here's your pension or your lump sum or what have you, and off you go. Now, uh, this was seen to be a bit, a bit of an antiquated thing, and so super was changed to allow benefits to stay uh, in the fund, but there wasn't any sort of, uh, how can I put it, scaffolding or any sort of concept of, well, okay, you've got this money, what do you have to do with it? And so effectively it just sat there uh, as, a, you know, it was deemed for taxation purposes ultimately to be in the retirement phase, but the actual workings of what the fund had to do with that money just weren't built out. And so there was a sort of a, um, lawyers would call it a, a bare trust where there were no real positive obligations on what you had to do with it, only negative ones in the sense of the sole purpose test. You couldn't, you couldn't use the benefits for things that weren't, um, weren't permitted. And so the minister is actually, is actually right about this. Uh, you know, there was no definition of what retirement income was and no real, uh, so this strategy, this, this covenant really, um, you know, ticks, ticks quite a lot of boxes for the very, very large, um, amount of money that's now, you know, we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that are already in the retirement phase. So she, she is actually right on that one. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, how different is the trustee requirement from what advisors do for advised clients in this space? Okay, well, uh, the covenant really refers to a strategy that applies either to all the, the members who are approaching retirement or retired or what we call cohorts of them. So you might, our fund might say, well, look, there are three cohorts of members. We've looked at um, uh, the demographics of our, of our fund and we, we see a lot of people who don't have much more money than the age pension that, you know, than, that they've got. They're going to be pretty much reliant on the age pension with a little bit on top. So we've designed a strategy for them. We've also uh, designed a, a strategy for the substantially part pensioners. So they've got a decent amount of savings, but they've still got some access to the age pension. And so this gives rise to um, strategies that wouldn't be applicable to the, to the lower socioeconomic group. And then they might have a, a strategy that's relevant to people that have got substantial financial assets so that, that the age pensions, you know, may be going to be relevant to them later on in retirement, but not initially. So there are your three cohorts, but, it really is a mass solution. So this is nothing like sitting a, a client down across the desk and going through their, their goals and all the financial details and, and so on as, a, as an advisor does. This is a, a mass solution. And there's really nothing akin to the best interest duty um, that it has to be optimal for every single member. It's really done on a sort of cohort or indeed the entire fund basis, which is really how super uh, super actually works. So, uh, so what, basically, this is aiming to have a better result than 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 retirees in big super funds that aren't getting personal advice now. They're going to be arguably better off, but not uh, not to the degree that you get when you're getting uh, you know 
personal advice based on your your personal circumstances. That is not where this is going. It's it's edging towards that, but um, it is not going to deliver the, the 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 very best outcome for every single member. So the advisors have still got an enormous amount of opportunity to to do just that. Jeremy, will the retirement income covenant now mean that members will uh, will have to be given advice by their fund? And if so, can they expect that the advice provided to them will be in their best interest? Okay, well, I suppose this is the point where I, I really need to mention, and all advisors will know about this, this is the quality of advice review that was recently kicked off and yeah. came from the Hain Royal Commission that's looking into how can we make this more workable and less expensive and and get rid of some of the excessive paperwork and processes and so on. So that's ongoing. But in 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 that review also is the question of whether the best interest duty as it currently is should still exist. So that's a pretty serious question. Hain uh, took a, a bit of a dislike to uh, the uh, 961 capital B of the Corps Act test, you know, all the sort of Checklist items are in there. He, you know, didn't didn't think that was a very good um, sort of uh, outcome. So that that's swirling around in the background, and indeed, the the detail around how the advice rules are going to apply to the retirement income are, are sort of caught up. The the review will will answer the question. You know, does there need to be anything that changes to facilitate this uh, this retirement income covenant? So to be very clear, at the moment. There's no, there's no suggestion that as part of the retirement income uh, covenant and the, the strategies that, that members must be given advice by the fund. Now, they can, the fund can chip some, some funds do, some funds have got, in fact, there's a, there's a wide distribution. There are, funds, there are funds that have got no real capacity out to funds that have got, that, that own their own advice businesses. Then there are funds that have sort of selected a panel of advisors and can, and can put members in the in the right direction depending on what sort of advice they want so it's a great variety but there's no prescription it, it doesn't say you know thou shalt um, provide personal advice or general advice or what have you so it is going to be up to the funds but it's so two points i'm making is one is the best interest duty itself is is under review and secondly as i said in one of my previous answers this is a mass you know the retirement income covenant is trying to take things from um, you know, nothing, I guess, in the retirement phase to a point where there has to be a strategy that gets communicated to, to members and it's seeking to um, put them in a better position than they currently are now, but it is not, it is not to the standard of the, the best interest duty. Jeremy, we're in an election year and depending on that outcome, we may see a change in policy direction. So with this in mind, do you think the covenant will start on 1 July this year? Look, yes, it will, but it will be very much a, a soft opening, as is said in the in the hotel business. The, the hotel will be open, but, you know, there might need to be a, a, few, a few tweaks and adjustments made before it gets fully operational. Um, so the, the, the way it'll start is that the funds have got to publish their, their strategies. But I would think in most cases there'll be quite a lot of to-do items, if I could put it that way, in the strategy itself. So they might say something like, well, our aim is to, um, you know, go through a cohorting process. You know, this is going to take time and here's how we, we intend to do this, but it won't be done on day one. And similarly, some strategies will depend on, you know, quite a lot of, of fine detail and perhaps 
finishing off various innovative products that are that are sort of under construction and and that kind of thing. And the way I look at it, uh, you know, there'll be funds that are working on digital tools that they don't currently have at the moment. You know, there there may be products that, that need detailed PDSs done for them. And so I think the way the the way APRU is looking at this is that it's I kind of get the sense that they're looking at about a three-year um, sort of rolling build-up um, of, the, of the new regime. Okay. Look, you talked earlier about the covenant objectives. Um, look, is maximising retirement income the only objective that really matters? Well, I guess there will be uh, there will be that view. I think some some funds will um, will perhaps have that view that look, oh, you know, this is all just all this extra detail and so on. But you know, there's no there's no question that, that having more retirement income to start with puts you in a in a better position. But it's not the whole game. Um, I think there's a difference between, as I said at the outset, uh, there's a difference between maximising retirement income for, for these purposes and map maximising investment returns. That was what was going on in the accumulation phase. And I guess funds today are still very, very focused, of course, as they should be, on that process. But the retirement phase is, is different. And, uh, again, this will, take, this will take time. There's a commonly held belief, and, you, you know, in my travels I hear that, um, that you know, achieving high investment returns is actually the best medicine for longevity risk. Well, again, I think that's a debate that will take, um, you know, a long time to, uh, to iron out um, through the system. You know, if you are consuming uh, capital in retirement, which most people are going to have to do, uh, you know, there are a number of reasons for this one is the, uh, you know, in our research, we, we find that the, the quest motive is, is still there, but it's it's weaker as people um, understand that their their kids have got their own superannuation. Uh, people are living longer, and therefore, uh, to, to maintain the standard of living that they've become accustomed to, that, that it's, there are very few people who can um, who can have a decent standard of living in, in retirement entirely, uh, depending on what you might call accounting income. In other words, they don't they don't touch their capital. So once you're in that. Um, space, which most people are, you do have longevity risk. That is, you you have the risk of still being alive with with relatively um, you know exhausted savings. I suppose if you if you want to put that way. So there's a big mindset change. That the industry has been very very focused. Its value proposition is achieving um, consistent high risk adjusted investment returns. This is asking. For that, as for that, but in but other things as well, and so uh, maximising returns is not um, the entire game. But I think there'll be a number of people who find making the adjustment, you know, pretty pretty difficult. Yeah, um, Jeremy, what should advisors do with clients who who do want to leave something to their estate? Well, you know, this is absolutely where advisors can can add value because under the covenant funds will not be allowed to strategize for this to happen. In other words, it's perfectly valid for a member in a super fund to say, well, you know, I want to leave some of my super to, um, to the next generation. But the fund is restricted from sort of designing deliberately a strategy that, that does that. You know, ha- having an estate is not retirement income for this purpose. 
And it reminds me of an interesting piece of work I saw recently from uh, a UK uh, retirement income consultancy that had an interesting little rule of thumb where they said that, um, they're talking in pounds because it was the UK, but they're basically saying, you know, a, a, a pound of, um, of, of a bequest is really only worth 10% of having that pound to spend in retirement. So they had a one in 10 factor that was a utility a utility factor that was they said it's 10 times more valuable to have the, the money spent than leaving it to the next generation which is an interesting way of uh, sort of conceiving the the, the value proposition in a, in a bequest but uh, yeah so that that's a, effectively um, where advisors can um, can add, add value for those for those clients that do want to leave a, a substantial bequest to the next generation yeah. Why do you think there haven't been any changes to the advice rules surrounding the covenant to date? Well, I think it was part of the government's strategy to roll uh, to roll all those questions into a, a one-off review. They didn't want to start pulling on strings and amending or suggesting amendments to this, that and the other thing. They, they deliberately rolled it into the process that's, that's going now. And so we're going to have to, it reports in uh, in late December this year, uh, there'll be, a, I understand, a, a draft report coming out earlier than that, something like August maybe, and we'll have to see uh, what um, what comes out of that basically. So entirely yeah. a political, it's a practical decision, but an entirely political one. Okay. Look, given the covenant only applies to super, um, do you think we might see advisors using similar sorts of strategies for non-super retirement savings as well? So, look. In some cases, again, it'll it'll depend on on how attractive some of these new products look, uh, how much they they take off, and they they just the um, whether whether a significant number of advisors find them appealing. Uh, the the sort of strategies uh, are directed towards, I suppose, having a, doing more spending in retirement, if I can put it that way, having a higher standard of living while you're alive, and that. That is not universally, uh, you know. There's a range of, I suppose, approaches here and value propositions around. Well, what are these? What are the what are the clients say they want for a start, and that's the most important thing. And often it's not that they want to just make more money, I suppose, because that's what they've been doing all their lives. And the, the government, the, the, the sort of signalling, I guess, that the government's giving here is, well, hang on, uh, we, we what we're finding is that there's too much money sitting in the system that isn't spent by the time the, the retirees' lives end, they've still got all this concessionally taxed capital and we want to see it spent. That's the sort of bottom line of this. So if, that's, if that becomes more acceptable to people, they have, have more money to spend in, in retirement rather than giving it to the next generation, then this, this stuff will, be, uh, will take off in, in non-super areas as well. Finally, Jeremy, how does the covenant deal with the unadvised market? And do you think this will provide better retirement incomes for retirees? I suppose it's directly addressing the unadvised market, which is a very large slice of the, of the very, very large super funds that have already got tens of thousands of people in retirement. They've often uh, got into that. Um, in fact, there are even many, many over 65-year-olds who are st- sitting in these big funds still in the accumulation phase uh, because there's no mechanism to to sort of remedy that. So the covenant will actually play an interesting role in um, in waking people up that, hey, you know, you're still, the, the fund's taxing you at 15% of your 
your income here. Why don't, why don't you move into the retirement phase? So it is very much, it's not eating the lunch of um, the the advised market. It's basically providing a, a, a mass uh, a mass customised but not a personalised or individualised solution for those people who, who largely aren't getting any advice at all. Yeah, look, Jeremy, certainly lots of things to consider in this space. Um, thank you so much for your time and your insights into this topic. Pleasure, Sarah. It's always good talking about this stuff. Now, remember, if you have any technical questions, you can contact the BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or by email to technical at com. And you can join us for our fortnightly BT Academy webinars where we discuss all things technical and regulatory in the advice space. Join Brian Ashenden for our next webinar on 13 April for Outwit, Outplay, Outlast. The tribe hasn't yet spoken, but the federal budget has been delivered. As we now move toward a federal election where votes will be cast to determine the ultimate survivor, this session will look at the budget highlights, the opposition response, as well as any recent changes that will be relevant in the lead up to 30 June. To register, head to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. Like all our webinars, this session will be available on demand. And if you can't join us live, all the sessions are accredited for CPD purposes. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.